This is a transformative time for black America. Our income is at an all-time high, and the opportunity for economic empowerment is unprecedented. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. Build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com blueprints. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. I think I was a kid or young teenager. I was in a bit of an insomniac. So there was something in Los Angeles called Movies Till Dawn. Occasionally, It's a Wonderful Life would come on that. It was what I wanted in this world. It just really resonated with me. I thought it was just one of the most special things ever. You know, it was just, it was sort of this presence on television growing up around the holidays. I don't recall ever really sitting down to watch it from start to finish until the time I was uh, doing the research for my book. And, and when I did finally watch it, I, it was a better film than I, than I had uh, imagined it would be. It's more than a perennial classic. I watched it with my mom. <laughs> I think we just decided that we had never seen it and we're just like, hey, we should watch this movie. And then it actually became a tradition and we still watch it. I'd say for the last 20 years, we, before Christmas, we'll get together and watch It's a Wonderful Life together. It just seemed like this kind of magical holiday movie, you know, about family and a real tale. And just, I just remember as a kid, just having this very kind of 
warm feeling about everything about it. What I, Greg, what I remember because I was so riveted was the darkness of the movie. Like that was one dark movie. And, you know, to see a movie where somebody is slowly beaten down by life and sees all his dreams crushed uh, was kind of a scary thought. I mean, I'm not sure I intellectualized it quite to that level as I sat there, but, you know, I mean, on the one hand, it'd be awesome to be married to Donna Reed. There's no doubt about that. My 14-year-old self would definitely like that route. But the idea of being in a small town, you know, I wanted to travel. I wanted to do the kind of things that he did. And it was scary to imagine that, uh-oh, hmm, with a couple of bad breaks, you know, I may not get there. This was some dark, dark stuff going on in this movie. Hello, Americans. It's Friday. And Bedford Falls. Figured I'd change things up a little bit this right. morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to FLX Morning here on Finger Lakes News Radio. Coming up on 706, Paul Small here with Greg Cotterell. Good morning. And we are not in the office today. Field trip. We're Yay. At, yeah, we're actually in the It's a Wonderful Life Museum in Bedford Falls. You know it is Seneca Falls, but this weekend it turns into Bedford Falls. It is amazing how this town transforms yeah. uh, this one weekend a year. And I am very, very happy now to uh, welcome to FLX Morning, uh, Carolyn Grimes. It is wonderful to see you. How are you? Well, I'm really good. Thank you. I'm uh, glad to be in Bedford Falls. And back for the 20th year as well. That is an amazing accomplishment. It's my, my celebration. Do you recognize that voice? You've probably heard it again and again. Uh, but she was a little younger then. You must love coming back here every year, otherwise you wouldn't be doing it for 20 years running. I feel like this is my family, if you really want to know. <laughs> well, well, yeah, in, in a way it is, because you're coming into the town that, that, that you know Frank Capra saw, and that was the inspiration for the movie itself. 20 years ago, I met a cameraman who worked on the Oprah show, and we became very good friends. And then he called me and he said, Carol, this is the place. This is the town. And I said, what are you talking about? We drove into the town that night and it had started to snow. And it was quiet and silent. She said, Carolyn, this is Bedford Falls. And I just, I was just overwhelmed. There was no doubt in my mind. Because it was a feeling. It was the place. Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Can't you come out tonight? Buffalo gals, can't you come out tonight and dance by the light? Oh, no, no. George Bailey, I'm lucky to the day I die. George Bailey, every Christmas Eve you make me cry. Oh, George It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Well, 
ask any question, just the Georgian trouble and tell me you didn't spread like Hello, Joseph here again, the angel. Uh, it's Christmas Eve, 1945. Welcome to the town of Bedford Falls in New York State, a part of the multiverse where George Bailey was born. Or should I say, welcome back, as you've no doubt witnessed this scene before. In your universe, thanks to the popular movie adaptation of George's life, this moment is considered one of the great happy endings. Quiet, everybody. Quiet, quiet. Now, get this. It's from London. Oh. Mr. Gower cabled you need cash. Stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $25,000. Stop. Oh. Hee-haw and Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright. Oh. Of course, it's been said there's no real ending to anything, uh, just the place where you choose to stop telling the story. A toast to my big brother George, the richest man in town. <laughs> Did you ever wonder what became of this place? What came next for these people? It's another December, not long ago, 77 years after the events you witnessed at the end of Wonderful Life. We are in western New York State, just over 250 miles away from New York City. We descend on a spot just off the northern tip of Cayuga Lake to its east, Seneca Lake to its west. It's a place of farms, grain, soy, dairy, and cattle farms. We reach a 27-square-mile stretch of buildings and streets divided by a river. Welcome to Seneca Falls. The older houses are Victorian, like the old Granville House, and the two-story brick buildings on its main street are reminiscent of the ones you remember George Bailey running along. Saturday arrives, the biggest day of the festival. The town is overrun with visitors, thousands. Five minutes, ladies and gentlemen. Five minutes. Thank you, Father. You're welcome. Can we, can we say something about um, turning off all the newfangled gadgets? Yes. Yep. <laughs> Inside the Presbyterian Church, built in 1873, Seth Kennedy, the director, readies his cast for another performance of a radio play adapted from Wonderful Life. Um, I'm Maria Coleman, and I'm playing Violet Bick. I've done this now eight years and kind of heard about it by accident. I always loved the film, heard that it was going on. I'm from Auburn, so I'm just outside of Seneca Falls, came to auditions, started playing Violet, and now here we are eight years later. I play Henry F. Potter. 
In the early 2000s, Hollywood voted and named Potter as American movies' sixth greatest villain of all time. All my life I've had a chubby baby face. And the thing I like about Potter is I finally get to be the bad guy. He is the original rat bastard. A parade lines their business Main Street, Fall Street, complete with high school marching band. That it's you... a really big deal, too, that the city's name is changed for the whole month. Yep. Um, I'm 15. I started with Girl Scouts in third grade, and I'm a senior in Girl Scouts. So I started as a junior, and I'm a senior. I'm going to hold the flag. Hee-haw! A man dressed as Clark Griswold and another as the Grinch seem to challenge the supremacy of the George Bailey Impressionist. My name? I'm the Grinch. A visitor to town starts a friendly argument. What the heck are you guys doing here? This is supposed to be uh, George Bailey's moment. <laughs> Thank you for coming to watch. This is our eighth annual giant cinnamon bun eating contest. Jim won last year and three years in a row. At the town's only coffee shop, Cafe 19, Casey leads the cinnamon roll eating contest. So they have 12 minutes, eat two and a half pounds of cinnamon bun and a half pound of frosting. They can't use silverware. Uh, this guy go right into their hands and... I think the very idea that small town is real America, it's a literary invention. If you go to the census, there's no such thing as a small town. There are cities, there are rural areas, but there's no designation as a small town. You get this small town, Norman Rockwell imagery, right? So that invitation to come to Bedford Falls is a type of escape from an urbanizing modernity, also an escape from the horrors of World War II. When the Smithsonian partners with Arizona State University, they bring in experts in many fields to try to answer the question, what does it mean to be American? As a subset of that search, they ask, why do Americans still love It's a Wonderful Life? Ryan Paul is chosen to participate, and his contribution is to call into question the small town itself. What makes a place legible as a small town is not just being independent, but economically healthy, that somehow it can weather all recessions, all depressions. It's It could just magically reproduce itself. So it's this capitalist fantasy that has to be projected. A lot of it's sort of been forgotten, but Mark Twain's part of it, of making the small town or the village, uh, this sort of American ideal, this utopia of whiteness, is that if we are going to be a mo- if we're going to embrace modernism and be sort of mature in our culture and politics, Seneca Falls must fictionalize itself to present itself at Bedford Falls and how it tries to project itself as a small town, again, to lure tourists. And, and again, the, the tragic irony is the only reason a community would need to sell itself as a small town on their websites, on brochures, is because they're economically struggling. Those The industries which has sustained it have fled. Their economies are collapsing, um, first agriculturally and then industries collapsing, being deindustrialized. So how do you market yourself for a service economy, a tourist economy? So you have real spaces like Seneca Falls, which I think the Census Bureau would say is a small city um, trying to fictionalize itself as a small town through investing in 
you know, it becomes an aesthetics project, right? How do we invest in our Main Street to look like fictional Main Street? So you'd have two-story buildings, um, something that sort of nostalgically evokes a Norman Rockwell, um, like maybe an ice cream shop, but this concerted effort that we want to look like a small town to attract tourists, to have this sort of quiet, calm, safe, harmonious space that all the ills and violences of the city are kept outdoors. So you have a lot of real small towns starting to look like Walt Disney's Main Street USA. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Hey guys, Rob Parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like the rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower 
power further than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This is Mike Ferrara, the town supervisor of Seneca Falls. Uh, kind of like a mayor. You'll be getting to know him better in a future episode. When I was growing up, it really was not that, uh, you know, that emphasis of connection of Bedford Falls and the wonderful life type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So I think, uh, I think Fran Carcillo, to be honest with you, had a great deal to do with, uh, you know, making this, uh, you know, Seneca Falls, the Bedford Falls. And, you know, obviously there's, uh, you know, it, it's a great opportunity for the town. Uh, you know, it's a very busy time, so forth. But and I think from there, it, you know, it's a festival and it, it's a you know, it's a four day event and it, it's good for business. Obviously, uh, it became obviously a, a tourist attraction. Uh, but once we once you start peeling the onion back, uh, there's a you know a great deal of connections there type of thing. That's the sound of my good friend Clarence jumping off the bridge in Bedford Falls and George Bailey jumping into the water after him, thus preventing George from his planned suicide. A nifty little trick on Clarence's part. I knew if I were drowning, you tried to save me. You see, you did. And that's how I saved you. Uh, uh, very funny. The scene in the, in the film where George jumps from the bridge to save another, that whole thing is something that did not enter the screenplay until after Capra's visit to Seneca Falls. This is Fran Carcillo, once the village planner of Seneca Falls, walking across a similar bridge that has become so pivotal for his community. And we believe that whole scene was inspired by the story that goes with the plaque on the bridge. Antonio Veracalli was a young Italian immigrant. On the morning of April 12, 1917, Antonio witnessed Ruth Dunham jump from the bridge. He hesitated only long enough to take his coat off and went in after her. He reached her, but the water in April is like ice, and there's a treacherous current. Antonio managed to get her close enough to shore where another gentleman with a rope tied around his waist reached them. He lifted Ruth from Antonio's arms, saving Ruth. But sadly, Antonio, exhausted and cold, went under. And it says here, April 12, 1917, Antonio Veracalli gave his life to save another. He honored the community. The community honors him. If you look at the bridge in It's Wonderful Life, Capra chose a Pratt Trust bridge, we think specifically because of this bridge. 
It's true that it was only weeks after director Frank Capra's visit to New York that screenwriters Francis Goodrich and Albert Hackett, who you'll come to know better in a future episode, did first add Clarence jumping from the bridge so that he would be saved by good-hearted George. Uh, much like good-hearted Antonio Veracalli saved Ruth. Of course, it was always clear where Bedford Falls was located in New York, Harry's new father-in-law owned a glass factory. What about this job? Oh, well, my father owns a glass factory in Buffalo. He wants to get Harry started in the research business. Uh, well, is it a good job? Oh, yes, very. Not much money, but a uh, good future, you know. While Sam originally considered locating his own plastics factory in Rochester. Rochester? Well... Why Rochester? I happen to know that in his younger days, the university Sam attended, eventually joined by George's kid brother Harry, where he became a football star, was Cornell in Ithaca. Harry, you're the Hello, guy Sam. I want to see. The coach has heard all about you. He has? Yeah, he's followed every game and his mouth's watering. He wants me to find out if you're going to come along with us. Yeah, well, I, and, I, I, of I, I, course, the bank examiner was impatient to get back to his family for that night's Christmas Eve dinner in Elmira. Now, if you'll cooperate, I'd like to finish with you by tonight. I want to spend Christmas in Elmira with my family. I don't blame you at all, Mr. Carter. Just step right in here. We'll fix you up. For Frank Capra, it was rumored to be Auburn where he had family, one town over from Seneca Falls. Driving up to visit in November 1945, after trying to do some casting for Wonderful Life in New York City, could he have made an important stop along the way? I know the answer, but I don't want to ruin the fun. Frank Capra, we know, was in New York State in early November of 1945. He had already acquired the film rights, he already had his writing team assembled, and they were working on a screenplay. He comes up, gets his hair cut here in November of 1945, and not too long after that, the screenplay includes the bridge scene. My wife and I watched the movie every year. From the very first time we watched it together, we started saying, well, that's just like the bridge in Seneca Falls. Well, a lot of the architecture, downtown Seneca Falls, looks similar to the original look in the film. So we had this, this feeling that it could be Seneca Falls. It was just a matter of watching the movie every year, and every year we would see a different link, historically or you know, a certain name, a certain place. I used to be the planner for Seneca Falls, and one day in 1994 my office was hosting uh, an event for fourth graders a reporter Craig Fox for the regional newspaper he was covering this, the event and after the kids left he approached me and he said I mind if I ask you a strange question he said you know the movie it's a wonderful life did you ever think that Seneca Falls, and I said, yeah, we're Bedford Falls. I said, go out and talk to other people in the community, see if they feel the same way. And I didn't know whether they did or not. He interviewed quite a number of people, and in, I think it was the first week of December that year, front page Finger Lakes Times article about Seneca Falls possibly being an inspiration for Bedford Falls. The key for Fran to cement his case became Seneca Falls barber Tom Bellissima, who had long been telling friends a story about cutting Frank Capra's hair and Capra's interest in the story of Antonio Vericali. 
but Tom refused for years to speak about it to media, only finally caving when Fran helped introduce him to an Italian news outlet. It was winter, 1945. The war was just over. I opened my barber shop, put on my gown, and sat down. The first customer of the afternoon came in, carrying a gust of cold from outside. He was a foreigner. I never seen him before in these parts. He asked for a shave, and we talked as I shave him. He expressed himself different. He said, I'm Italian. I came and had you shave me because of your name. It's really beautiful. Literally, he said, because bellissima mean beautiful. What's your name, I ask him. Capra, Frank Capra, I remember, he says. And I remember I told him, bah, frankly, I can't say the same to you because, you know, his name means goat. We both laughed. We also talked about cinema, but he was most interested in Seneca Falls. I told him three quarters of the inhabitants were Italian. The first to arrive was Charles Fornosea, Calabrian. He wrote back to Italy and said, I have found a corner of paradise where you can be bred for everyone. It often snows, but it is very nice here. And they come in droves. And I told him, among them was one whom all the area honored. And he took interest in this. So I told him the story of Antonio Varacali and how the suicidal girl he saved below the bridge felt she owed Antonio everything and always placed the flowers at his grave and said to it, You were an angel. You revealed it to me, the meaning of existence. I started to continue. Since that day, I say to him, But I notice he no longer listening. He's closed his eyes. I think he already seeing cinema. The next year, when I saw the movie posters and the name Capra on them, I said to everyone, I shaved him, but no one believed me. Not back then. Hello, everybody. Welcome. My name is Monica Capra Hodges, and I am. Thank you. I'll still say it. I'm Frank Capra's granddaughter, and um, welcome tonight to this preview dinner. This is a reenactment of the the preview dinner that my grandfather put on uh, 76 years ago tonight, actually December 9th. So yeah, pretty impressive. Um, and I just want to welcome you, and you know, as a member of the Capra family. It's really lovely to see all these people here and, and celebrating the message and the joy that It's Wonderful Life brings to everybody every year. So, Monica is Frank Capra's granddaughter. She's here for her seventh Wonderful Life Festival, bringing with her, for the first time, her daughter, Hannah. It will turn out to be a special trip for them. Hannah's boyfriend soon proposes to her during their next stop at Rockefeller Center. This is already the greatest trip ever. This is just the best trip. And so we were having a really good time at the festival and hanging out with everyone. And um, yeah, just learning about the movie and its impact and enjoying the Christmas spirit. And then? Yeah, then we went and got engaged. So surreal chairing out top. <laughs> Carolyn Grimes, Zuzu, she used to live in Washington State. And she was selling her 
It's Wonderful Life signing ornaments at a thing down at our fairgrounds here in Mount Vernon. It was like this giant garage sale at the Mm -hmm. fairgrounds. And she was there and we walked by and I looked at my husband and I was like, well, so should I go say hi to her and just like introduce myself? Because, you know, she knew my grandpa. That's kind of cool. (laughs) And so he's like, yeah, you should go introduce yourself. So I introduced myself and she did not believe me at all. (laughs) She was like, no. I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, who's your dad? And (laughs) she made me go through like, oh, like, who's your dad? And who's your grandpa? Where'd you grow up? And all this stuff. And I was like, and she's like, oh, okay. And then when she finally believed me, she's like, you know, there's this festival. You should really come. The first year we went, you know, they flew us there. They put us up. I did a spiel and uh, a little presentation. And that was it. But, you know, we went back because it's a wonderful life museum. It, It just means the world to them to have this museum and to have the bridge and have it, you know, maybe have this story that, uh, that grandpa was maybe there. And they really, really, really wanted me to verify that he had an aunt in wherever and that it, he was really there. And I, I couldn't cause you know, we don't know. It was, you know, 1945, 46. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, we've gone back because the people are really great. The town just celebrates the movie and the spirit of it just so nicely. And just, I think that they have such good intentions to remember the movie and keep it going, keep the meaning of it going. And I really appreciate that. And so a little bit of me is like, it doesn't really matter whether Grandpa was there or not. They believe that that was the bridge. It looks like the bridge in the movie. It's obviously set in that part of New York. Mm-hmm. So it's possible he traveled all around and just put a whole bunch of things together and created a fictional town. So let's just say, why not? The The first festival was such a, um, I don't know, going to it and, and seeing all these people that were still talking about It's a Wonderful Life was pretty, pretty amazing. The first morning we were there to get up in the morning to go have breakfast in the little Gould Hotel. And Carolyn's there and Carolyn's like, come over, come over, meet this couple here. They were going to get married on the bridge later that day. They asked Carolyn to like be their witness at the wedding and she had other obligations. So she agreed to have breakfast with them. So we met them. And then later in the day, we're eating lunch and we look out on the bridge and there they are getting married. We were so happy for them, and it's great. We saw them later. Then we got to know them, and they're actually our really good friends now. We are back at that truss bridge where Monica made new friends. There stands a line of thousands of marathon runners dressed to the hilt in their Christmas wear, waiting at the starting line. Carolyn Grimes walks to the mic, escorted by a local former police chief. And to use a Zuzu Bailey's famous line to give them their goal. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets her way. How and why Carolyn Grimes came to connect with this town is a story with several layers. Uh, where to start? My mom, she just had big dreams for me. When I went to interview for It's a Wonderful Life, when I went in to see Frank Capra, because he hired us personally. He hired everyone in the film personally. He said, um, well, now show me what what you feel like. How, how would you look if you just lost your dog that you loved so very much when he died? 
How would you look when you saw it? Daddy! Zozo, Zozo, my little ginger snap, how do you feel? Fine! Not a smidge of temperature. Not a smidge of temperature. <laughs> Hallelujah! Hello. I remember when Jimmy Stewart runs up the stairs and I come out my door and I say, Daddy, Daddy! Capricorn down on his knees and he looked at me eye level and he said, I want you to show me how you would feel if if your daddy left. How would you feel when you saw him come back? He'd be so happy. I want to see how you'd do that. My dad was a manager of a Safeway store. My mom, she made all my clothes. She even made my coats. She devoted her life more or less to me. She started getting sick when I was eight. Right after I did The Bishop's Wife with Cary Grant and Loretta Young, it ended up that she died when I was 14. My dad was a George Bailey. He was absolutely wonderful. My dad came to me one day and he said, okay, Carolyn, we have a decision to make. And I said, well, what is it, Daddy? And he said, well, I've got enough money that I can either pay the house off or buy a new car. And so <laughs> my dad had a Frasier. It was the ugliest car that ever was on the face of the earth. And I was in high school. I was so embarrassed to drive up to school. and He'd let me out, out of that awful, ugly thing. It was hideous. So you know what I'm going to say to him? I'm going to say, oh, can we have a new car? Oh, what's the matter with our car? Isn't it good enough for you? <laughs> and so I think he wanted me to say that anyway, because I think he wanted a new car. And in those days, you know, you, you, you didn't buy things on credit. You paid cash. And at least he did. So we got a new car. And it was a 56 Buick. And it was beautiful. And one day... He took it on a trip to Palm Springs with some of his friends, and it wrecked, and he died in the car. Well, I'll never forget that, because it was my decision to, to get the car. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that you carry with you from childhood that kind of don't go away. My dad didn't leave a will, so the court decided to send me to live with my mean aunt and uncle in Missouri. And that's how it all ended from Hollywood. My dad's death was extremely traumatic. I had totally lost my whole life. I had to start over in a town that had 900 people in it. So it was like a whole different world that I'd been to. I ended up with my father's brother and his wife, and she was a very mean person. And the whole town knew. So everybody just kind of rallied around me. It took about a year for me to realize that I never wanted to go back to Hollywood again because these were real people. And they cared. They really cared. And they made a big difference in my life. It's not like that in Hollywood. It's people are shallow. And it's kind of was dog eat dog. And you have to be a child in the movie industry to really see that. I think it was divine order that I'm supposed to be involved in all this <laughs> because um, my 18 year old son took his own life. And um, he was a senior and he was 
getting ready to graduate and he think he just was scared of life I think um you know in reflection I could have done a better job and will always feel that way things could have been done differently but um I have to live with the fact that they weren't done differently and I just um feel like that's another place that I have to offer help or advice or whatever needs to be. You can survive from a family member um, taking their own lives. Um, it's with you forever, but there are ways that you can cope with it. And one of the ways is by helping others. And um, that's one of the big things that I've tried to do over the years is is to, to help others who are going through the same situation. And people write to me all the time um, and tell me their situations when a family member or someone they love takes their own life. Then they, um, they need to have somebody to talk to. And so... We we incorporate that in the museum because it's it's a huge situation now. It's growing every year, and especially for young people. And um, we just we need to try to make a difference in that regard and help these kids and anybody that's on the bridge because there's a lot of people that I get letters from where they're on the bridge. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. 
You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from the Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. It's me, Mr. Gower, George Bailey. You're right. Yes, sir. Hello, George. Hello, Mary. Hello, Violet. Two cents worth of shoelaces? She was here first. I'm still thinking. Shoelaces? Please, Georgie. I like him. You like every boy. What's wrong with that? So one of the things is to recreate some sets from the film. So when you come in to the expanded museum, you'll be in Gower's Drugstore. And our gift shop will be to the display cases of Gower's Drugstore. So we have things here that are just like what were in Gower's Drugstore. Anway Law moved with her spouse, Henry, from Hawaii to Seneca Falls 20 years ago, hoping to make an impact in human rights. The town was a catalyst for the women's equality movement. More about that in a future episode. Anway's move coincided with the year the town first managed to get Carolyn Grimes to attend the festival. The two connected, and Carolyn eventually convinced her and others to create this museum. Why do you go on journeys in life? How do you know? You never know what that journey's going to be. My husband worked with the National Park Service for over 20 years. And we met in Hawaii, and we lived in Hawaii a long time. 2002, we just came here, and that was the first year Carolyn came here. I think this is a great, great movie, mm. because it's a great message. And it's a really powerful tool for getting people to talk about things that they don't always talk about. And it brings people together. We have people who come in here of completely different political persuasions, mm. but they unite because they love this movie. I sometimes think they ought to just play it in Congress and remind them everybody's important, every opinion's important. I think Frank Capra is absolutely amazing, and I think we need him today, and we need his words today. That's one reason this is here, because we need these words and this philosophy of Frank Capra. So there are some movie museums. There's only two for a black and white film. One's in Vienna, the other one's here. For Third man. And then there's 
movie museums in the United States, Christmas Story, Wizard of Oz, Gone with the Wind, Obi-Wan Kenobi Ranch. When we started the museum, we started with quotes from Frank Capra that are about the inherent dignity and value of each person. And so we started with that and the story of Antonio Vericali, the young man who lost his life saving a woman who had jumped from the bridge. And um, uh, one display case from the Historical Society and then some things from Carolyn Grimes' collection. Mm -hmm. That's how we started. And uh, it's just grown tremendously because everybody wants to be involved. This is a collective effort um, of so many people you'll see as we go around, uh, different people send us things. They just do that because it, it's, they know they're important here. It's important for people to see and they want to be part of this. The Wonderful Life Museum is housed for the moment on Fall Street. You know, the old building that looks much like the Bailey Brothers building in Loan. All of it's about preserving and promoting the message of this film because this movie is about suicide. We're looking at the prevention of suicide. And so we're working to have thoughtful discussions about that. It's all about, it's about human rights. I mean, this is, and, and I think the thing you realize with Seneca Falls is this is the perfect place for this museum because the message of this town is the value of each person. That's what women's rights is. That's what human rights is, right? This is a powerful tool to help people talk about things and to understand things and to understand, you know, I think Frank, talk, Frank Capra talked about how he wanted this film to make people believe in themselves and believe in each other again, right? And I think that we need that in our country, we, in our world. You know, we have to believe in ourselves first. You have to believe in yourself which is hard a lot of times, you know, depression, all kinds of things. You always question yourself. And that's why I think people, George Bailey resonates with people. Because even though you talk about, oh, I've got self-confidence, there's that, that part of you inside that doubts yourself. And that's where your community comes along and helps you not doubt yourself anymore because you see what you've done. People need this more now than ever. That's what we see. I mean, that's why I think it's evolved far great, more than what we thought, you know, because people need this movie, you know, this message of everyone having value in this world where there's a lot of bullying and people contemplating taking their lives and hopelessness and discouragement. That's what this movie helps with. And in 2010, Carolyn had been coming here for eight years and we felt that she needed to have a permanent presence in Seneca Falls. And so we talked about creating this museum. And she said, if you create a museum about this movie, it will always be relevant because the message will always be relevant. In 1980, I hadn't seen the movie and somebody knocked on my door and it was a reporter. Missouri, a middle-class home December 1980. Ronald Reagan has just won the presidential election. Opening the door cautiously is 40-year-old Carolyn Grimes, who has never seen her own movie, Wonderful Life. Looking at the face of a stranger, she doesn't know that his knock on the door will begin to set her at middle age on a new course that will dominate the rest of her life and save the lives of so many others because of her. 
And he said, did you play the part of Zuzu in the movie It's a Wonderful Life? And I said, well, yes. And he said, can I have an interview? So I said, okay. And had an interview. And it happened again. And then it happened again. And then I started getting fan mail. And I thought, holy shit, what's this all about? And I thought, well, I guess I better sit down and watch this movie. So I did. I realized how wonderful it was. And I, I feel bad that I didn't make it a tradition with my kids to sit and watch that movie every year. I, di- I just didn't know. They were pretty well grown for the most part after I noticed the movie. <laughs> and so anyway, I, I, um, that's when it all started. Jimmy Stewart's secretary got a hold of me and said, you know, he's kind of been looking for you because some of his fans were asking about you. Then the Target company in 1993 decided to reunite the Bailey kids for Christmas. And that's exactly what they did. And so they had all of us in together, and we had a wonderful tour. I mean, I have a family because of this film. It was like whammo, and that, that was like, whoo! I mean, I'm getting slapped in the face with this thing, so I figured I, there's a reason for it. And I also realized that this message, after I saw the movie, was immense. and. This movie seems to have touched so many lives and made a huge positive difference that I felt like at that time, you know, I needed to pick up the crusade and keep going with it. I thought it was important. George Bailey was never born. Visit SaveGeorgeBailey.com to join the mission. There you'll find links to works by this episode's participants. Learn more about how to celebrate George Bailey Day on Saturday, December 9th, and annually the second Saturday of December hereafter, by hosting your own Wonderful Life viewing party. Tell your friends to listen to this show, subscribe, like, comment, and post about it on social media. Hashtag SaveGeorgeBailey. Subscribe to our Patreon to hear uncut interviews and bonus content. Podcasts also available on YouTube. iHeartMedia presents... A double asterisk iHeartMedia co-production in association with True Stories. Created, written, and directed by Joseph, Kurt Angfer, and Rayna Vyshelsky. Kurt Angfer, producer and supervising editor. Rayna Vyshelsky, producer and journalist. Elizabeth Marcus, editor. Roy Sillings, narrator. George Bailey theme song by Carolyn Sills. Buyer albums. Soundtrack composed by Zachary Walter. Buy his albums and the original soundtrack to this podcast available wherever you get your music. Mallory Kinoy, co-producer, writer's assistant, archival producer, and fact checker. John Autry, sound engineer, additional editing, sound design, and mix. Executive producers, Dave Cassidy, Kurt Angfer, 
Lindsay Hoffman and Beth Ann Macaluso for iHeartMedia, John Duffy for Double Asterisk, Ruth Vaca for True Stories, Reyna Vyshelsky for Double Asterisk and True Stories, Elizabeth Honkuch, Associate Producer, Brandon Lavoie and Ryan Pennington, Consulting Producers, Keith Sklar, Contract Legal, Peter Yazzi, Copyright and Fair Use Legal, Maddie Akers, Archival Specialist, Ron Kadish and Benji Michaels, Publicists, Kavya Santhanam and Marley Weaver, Marketing and Promotions, Art and Web Design by Aaron Kim. Interns were Kyra Gray, Emma Ramirez, Eva Stewart, and Taya Wilson. Podcast license for Philip Van Doren Stern's The Greatest Gift provided by The Greatest Gift Corporation. Their attorney is Kevin Koloff. Recorded at David Weber's Airtime Studios in Bloomington, Indiana. This episode featured in chronological order Paul Small, Greg Cotterell, Carolyn Grimes, Ryan Pohl, Mike Ferrara, Fran Carcillo, Monica Capra Hodges, Hannah Ermey, and Anway Law, with appearances by Matt Asner, John Spartalotti, Seth Kennedy, Maria Coleman, Casey Galloway, J. Max Robbins, Twyla Keeler, Wendell Jameson, the people of Seneca Falls, and the cast of Wonderful Life. Actor Brian Rowan does the George Bailey impression you hear at the Seneca Falls Festival. Greg Cotterell offered use of their Finger Lakes Morning News segment. Listen to that show on FLX Local Media Radio and online. The voice of Barbara Tombolissimo was played by Martin Legrand, paraphrased from words he said to journalist Gabriel Romagnol, as reported for La Stampa. Seneca Falls lodging for crew provided by Twyla Keeler. If you're in Seneca Falls, visit the Wonderful Life Museum, the Presbyterian Church, Cafe 19, the current barbershop, and the businesses on Fall Street. Go to doubleasteriskmedia.com to hear our other limited-run podcasts, Who is Rich Blee?, after the Uprising, with a bold new season in St. Louis coming summer 2024, and Origins, Birth of a Pandemic. And subscribe to True Stories New Weekly, Everybody Has a Podcast, with Ruth and Ray. If you are feeling like you're on the bridge, please call the AFSP's Suicide and Crisis Lifeline by dialing 988 into your phone, or contact the Crisis Text Line by texting 741-741. Consider donating to or volunteering with AFSP or your local Habitat for Humanity and make George Bailey proud. We're not affiliated with them, though. Copyright 2023, double asterisk, Inc. Merry Christmas! Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes to get tickets now.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Land.com can help you find that little patch of ground to call your own and do all the hunting, fishing, and hanging out with the family you want. Just know that getting your own piece of land is something that can generate memories for generations, but also has the ability to generate income in both the near and long term. Like if you just want to start a rental business slash family compound. Go to Land.com and check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from all across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is a place to find and invest in your open space.